what all conservatives should learn from District 211, trans activism. Folks, if you hope to defeat trans activism in your public schools, public libraries, the Springfield Swamp, and halls of Congress, you must first find those old rubbery spines that have been gathering dust in your attics, we've talked about it before, then muster some courage to speak truth to leftists who have been winning gold medals in epithet hurling. Their tongues are now the strongest parts of their bodies, while apparently their brains are the weakest. Try getting them to answer a few foundational questions that emerge from their incoherent, science-denying trans ideology, and watch them bob and weave, evasively changing subjects in between screeching hater at you. Just keep repeating to yourself the old adage your parents taught you, sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt you. More on those foundational questions shortly. Before you go on your spine search, please pay close attention to what has been happening in District 211, the largest high school district in Illinois with 12,000 students in five high schools, where local control has secretly been wrested from the community by a group of leftists colluding secretly with LGBTQ activists outside the community, way outside the community to sexually integrate student locker rooms. Last week, I wrote an article about the purchase of the District 211 school board seats in 2017 by Lawrence, a.k.a. Lana Wachowski, the trans director of the Matrix movies who lives in Chicago, a trans architect from Pennsylvania, the lesbian head honcho of the Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network from New York, a state senator from Chicago, a homosexual CEO from D.C., a trans activist from Maryland, a homosexual activist from Chicago, and two trans activists from Chicago who secretly funded the defeat of three excellent school board candidates. Since then, it's been revealed that Illinois' premier LGBTQ activist organization, the grossly misnamed Equality Illinois, sent a representative to the District 211 school board meeting on September 19th, at which the proposal to sexually integrate all locker rooms was discussed. Equality Illinois boasted on its website about sending its civic engagement coordinator, Anthony Charles Galloway, who is the former project coordinator at Planned Parenthood of the St. Louis region and southwest Missouri. Last Monday, Vicki Wilson, president of D211 Parents for Privacy, and Tracy Salvatore, an epithet-hurling mother of two District 211 elementary school children, were invited to appear on WTTW's Chicago Tonight to be interviewed by Carol Marine. Salvatore is the activist I mentioned in last week's article who, instead of explaining exactly why private spaces should correspond to gender identity as opposed to biological sex, hurled epithets at parents who believe girls and boys should not be allowed to access the private spaces of opposite-sex peers. Before I get to what Salvatore said on Chicago Tonight, it bears mentioning that for some odd reason her coach, I mean her escort, to the Chicago Tonight studio was Ed Yanka, communications director for the ACLU in Chicago. I wonder why Salvatore invited him. I mean, he's not from the district. Salvatore managed to refrain from her customary hate speech when making her points on Chicago Tonight. Perhaps her coach helped her avoid that pitfall. In response to Carol Marine's question about the prior policy requiring 
trans identifying students to change behind privacy curtains if using opposite sex locker rooms, Salvatore said, and I quote, I do feel that it fell short of full inclusion, full equity, full access, just by singling out transgender students as requiring them to use the privacy curtains, end quote. Well, it certainly did prohibit full access because the person seeking full access to the girls' locker room was a biological boy. But transgender students are not being singled out. The boy to whom Salvatore was referring singled himself out by asking for special treatment. He asked to be allowed unrestricted access to the girls' locker room, something other boys are not allowed. Trans-identifying persons, like all other humans, have a sex, which is objective, immutable, and meaningful. Schools, like every other place of public accommodation, have sex-separated spaces in which humans engage in personal bodily acts like undressing and going to the bathroom. Treating a boy as a boy is the epitome of equity. Conversely, including a biological boy in girls' private spaces is the antithesis of fairness, impartiality, and equity. Treating a boy as if he is a girl in girls' private spaces means treating him specially and violates the privacy rights of girls. If girls have a right to be free of the presence of objectively male peers in their private spaces, that right is not abrogated by the feelings of some boys about their biological sex. If women have no right to be free of the presence of objectively male peers in their private spaces, then why have any sex-separate private spaces, including for staff and faculty? If biological sex has no intrinsic meaning relative to undressing and engaging in bodily functions, why have any sex-separate spaces? Commitments to inclusion and equity do not require that persons who wish they were the sex they aren't have access to opposite-sex private spaces. Their feelings about their maleness or femaleness do not grant them the right to dictate that all private spaces no longer correspond to biological sex. Grotesquely exploiting the words of Supreme Court Justice Earl Warren in Brown versus the Board of Education, Salvatore said, quote, separate but equal is not equal, end quote. Warren said this, Quote, we conclude that in the field of public education, the doctrine of separate but equal has no place. Separate educational facilities are inherently unequal, end quote. Well, first, restrooms and locker rooms aren't educational facilities. But more important, segregating blacks from whites in schools or other places of public accommodation was a pernicious practice based on the erroneous belief that whites and blacks are by nature different and based on white hatred of blacks. Separating boys from girls in private spaces is based on the true belief that boys and girls are sexually different and that those differences matter when undressing and engaged in personal bodily functions. The desire to be free of the presence of persons of the opposite sex when undressing has nothing to do with hatred. Salvatore's claim is patently foolish. Salvatore's third claim is equally foolish. She said, and I quote, Transgender individuals are not a threat. Transgender people are not a safety concern to anyone, not in a locker room, not on the street, not anywhere else, end quote.
First, the primary issue is not concern about predation, though that is an issue, particularly outside of schools. But how can Salvatore know with absolute certainty that transgender people are not a safety concern to anyone, anywhere, ever? Of course, she can't and doesn't know any such thing. Yes, it is unlikely the trans-identifying boy will sexually assault a girl in the girl's locker room, but can prognosticator Salvatore say with absolute certainty that no such boy ever will? Can she say with absolute certainty that no such boy will look at girls who are undressing? Can she say with absolute certainty that no such boy will ever expose himself in the presence of girls? And what about the girls who've been victims of sexual abuse? Estimates are that one in four girls will be sexually abused by the age of 18, which means in District 211, there are likely approximately 3,000 girls who are victims of sexual abuse. In contrast, estimate for transgender students is 0.7%, which would mean about 84 students. Many, perhaps most, sexually abused girls feel uncomfortable changing clothes in the presence of biological boys. They should not be compelled to leave their own locker rooms in order to feel safe. Though the issue of protecting the feelings of children who were victims of sexual abuses is critical, it is not the primary issue either. The primary, foundational issue is the meaning of sexual differentiation. Do our sexed bodies have meaning or not? Cultural regressives like Salvatore and school board member slash sexpert Kim Cavill essentially say that physical embodiment as male or female has no intrinsic meaning relative to feelings of modesty and the desire for privacy when engaged in personal acts like undressing and going to the bathroom, which is both absurd and destructive nonsense. Salvatore then made this baffling statement, and I quote, I think people have learned that transgender individuals are just like human beings, end quote. Well, they're not just like human beings, they actually are human beings, and I don't know a single person who thinks otherwise. Recognizing trans-identifying persons as humans includes recognizing that they have a sex and that in private spaces their sexual identity is all that matters. Prohibiting students from using opposite-sex private facilities does not deny their existence or their humanness. Three times in the interview, Salvatore mentioned respect, and none of those times referred to the respect due to students who have a right to a locker room free from the presence of opposite-sex peers. Salvatore assures the Chicago Tonight viewing audience that, quote, the reality is that people are not getting naked in the locker room, end quote. That may be true, but it's hard to believe that students who are taking a swim class or on swim teams, diving teams, or water polo teams are never naked as they change from clothes to swimsuits, but that's really beside the point. Unrestricted access means that if girls in girls' locker rooms are permitted to be in their underwear or fully nude, so too is a biological boy who pretends to be a girl permitted to be in his underwear or fully nude in the girls' locker room. And a biological boy who is permitted unrestricted access to the girls' locker room is also permitted to be anywhere in the locker room when girls are changing into swimsuits. Whether any particular boy chooses to partially undress, 
fully undress or be in the area where girls are changing into swimsuits is irrelevant. It's the principle that matters. So finally, here are the questions that every school board member, administrator, and supporter of the sexual integration of private spaces should be required to answer before any votes on policy proposals are taken. Why should locker rooms correspond to gender identity as opposed to biological sex? Who decided that in private spaces, biological sex is subordinate to subjective feelings about maleness and femaleness? And by what authority did they make such a radical decision? Do humans have an intrinsic right not to undress in the presence of persons of the opposite sex? If so, is that right abrogated by the feelings of trans-identifying persons or their aesthetic deception? If humans have no such right, then why retain any sex-segregated private spaces anywhere? Why is it reasonable for trans-identifying students to refuse to use restrooms or locker rooms with students who don't share their gender identity, but it's hateful for other students to refuse to use restrooms or locker rooms with peers who don't share their sex? Why should girls in girls' locker rooms who don't want to undress in the presence of biological boys be forced to change behind a privacy curtain? Why can't biological boys in the boys' locker room who don't want to undress in the presence of biological boys use a private changing area in the boys' locker room or nurse's office? If schools can't discriminate based on either sex or gender identity in private spaces, Wouldn't prohibiting normal students, that is, cisgender students, from using opposite-sex facilities constitute discrimination based on sex and or discrimination based on gender identity? What should school restroom and locker room policy be for gender-fluid students? In the trans community, girls who identify as boys are boys, so why should they be free to use girls' facilities? Should girls who identify as boys be required to use boys' locker rooms? Are lesbians and homosexual men who oppose the sexual integration of private spaces, especially the private spaces of girls and women, demonizing, bullying, intimidating, hateful bigots as Salvatore characterized those who oppose the sexual integration of District 211 private spaces? Well, folks, there are so many essential questions asked by no one, even as we deny human nature and the fundamental rights of girls and boys.